Alright guys, welcome to another episode of ARWP, the All Real Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Eric Novak, and today do I bring you a new video, a new interview with the one and only John Schuyler. Enjoy the video, I know you will. The Big Grizzled, John Schuyler. Thank you for having me on, man. I'm excited to talk some wrestling today <laughs> with you here on your wonderful show that I've heard a lot about. Really? How, where'd you hear from it? I'm really curious. I'm, I've heard it all over social media. I've seen uh, you plugging it, uh, and so I'm excited to be on. Oh, I appreciate that. That means the world to me. All right, man. All right, let's get on this. So let's talk about your first match. You have an amazing wrestling background. What would you say if you, is in your earliest career is your first match that got you to lace up the boots and get in that ring? Uh, so the first match that I had I actually was July the 6th, 2008. And uh, so I just came up on my 12th year Wrestleversary, I guess is what it's called. <laughs> um, and that was literally just recently, like last week. So, uh, but my first match was in West Virginia back in 2008 against a guy named Bill Bain. Uh, I actually wasn't supposed to be on the show. Uh, I was there with my trainer, my original trainer, uh, a journeyman wrestler named Bob Keller, uh, who still trains people here in South Carolina. Uh, I tagged along with him, uh, helped put out the chairs, set up the ring, and then a couple guys didn't show up. And I'd been training for a few months. And they told me, like, you know, Bob said, well, I've got a guy that's ready if you want to use him. And I got plugged in and, I think I got killed in like three minutes. So it was, uh, but at that time, being 20 years old and uh, always wanting to be a professional wrestler, it was like the best three minutes of my life. So <laughs> it started a whole other path. So tell me what was the main reason why you fell in love with wrestling? What got you to say, I want to get my ass handled in that ring every single time and I'm going to love it? <laughs> uh, so I, I grew up a big fan of it. Um, I grew up in a small town called Blythewood, South Carolina. It's right outside of Columbia. Uh, and I remember really falling in love with pro wrestling. I mean, because I had an older brother, so anything that he thought was cool, I wanted to think was cool just so I could hang out with him and all his friends. And so when they kind of went through their wrestling phase, you know, I, I vaguely remember I was probably like three-ish, you know, years old. Uh, so I remember seeing Jake Roberts and Roddy Piper and Hulk Hogan and The Warrior and, you know, DiBiase and all the – what I call the golden era of wrestling, uh, you know, the late eighties, early nineties, uh, WWF stuff. Uh, but then I really fell in love with it in like 93 when I started catching Monday night raw for the first time. And, uh, there was an episode that started where, uh, Shawn Michaels was actually being interviewed, like in the streets of New York city <laughs> and, uh, like out, like out of nowhere, like off, off frame or right off camera, like, uh, Mr. Perfect just came in and like smacked Shawn's glasses off of his face. And they started brawling through the streets of New York City. And, like, I think Perfect threw Sean through the windshield of a car. And as a kid, I was like, like, what is this? What am I watching? These, these guys are, like, this, it was just insane. Like, uh, so I was, like, pretty much hooked from then on out. Uh, I think the thing that really made me want to become a professional wrestler was the build-up to the WrestleMania 12 uh, Iron Man match with Sean and Brett because I was such a huge Bret Hart fan. Uh, still am to this day. And, uh and like Shawn Michaels was becoming like the new, like top baby face, I guess, in WWF. And I slowly started turning from a Brett fan to a Shawn fan. But really the thing that I was infatuated with was the training videos that they had. Like this is the first time two guys were ever going to meet in a 60 minute Ironman match at a WrestleMania. And I remember they, 
you know, uh, for the first time, they really put an emphasis on how the guys were training for the mm-hmm. match. And I just thought that that was so cool. And, uh, you know, a big, big, like, theme to all that was they were talking about how Sean's, like, uh, boyhood dream uh, was going to come true if he won the World Wrestling Federation, you know, title or whatever. And I thought that that was such a cool story, and that really resonated with me because I was seven, eight years old at the time. And I was like, man, I, I want to be the WWF champion. So that's kind of what really made me want to be a wrestler. All right. Well, because, you know, this is a, a wrestling podcast, I do want to talk about, because you are a Bret Hart fan and we're talking about Shawn Michaels, my favorite conspiracy theory is the Montreal Screwjob. I want to know your take, and I talk about this with a lot of guests. I want to know your take on it as someone that's in this industry, someone that, you know, has wrestled for NXT. And we'll talk about your career with NXT. We'll talk about everything. You have wrestled in the WWE ring. You have wrestled outside of, you know, WWE rings. What would you think was the actual conspiracy to, to what was going on with that scenario? Um, so a lot of people wonder whether or not because uh, uh, I can see why people would think it's a conspiracy because, I mean, it created the number one heel in wrestling and, and Mr. McMahon. Uh, and then obviously that kicked off the, the, the biggest feud maybe in the history of wrestling between Mr. McMahon and Steve Austin. But... Uh, and, I mean, if you look at it like this, too, the the WWE now has continued to make so much money off the Montreal Screwjob, whether it's DVDs or, uh, you know, um, you know books or uh, 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 network specials, you know, you name it. Uh, they still continue to make money off the, the Montreal Screwjob. So I could see why people would think, you know, maybe it was like an inside deal and maybe they were all in on it. But from my standpoint... Uh, first of all, when I watched it as a kid, I had no idea what was going on because I was too poor to have the internet. And so, uh, uh, like, I just thought that, uh, I mean, I didn't even know, I was very confused when I watched it live because I didn't know the backstory. Uh, um, even as a kid though, when I was watching them, when when I was watching Sean and Brett, especially around 97, you could still tell that there was some personal animosity, like even behind the scenes. Like I could, I could see that they probably really didn't like each other. Um, but I, I think it unfolded just like it, like we've been told. I think uh, Vince McMahon was worried about what Bret Hart was going to do uh, the day, uh, one even one day later when he was no longer under contract and he couldn't jeopardize his whole, you know, the whole direction of his company by letting his world champion go to to WCW. So uh, the only reason I don't think it's a it was a work or an inside job is because. It was. I don't think you could have planned it that well. Like that's uh, what I agree with you know, that. Uh, it was. I agree with that one hundred percent. If you watch the Dark Side of the Ring episode, because that's what you know really opened up this conversation again. When Dark Side of the Ring did it, there was so much things like people say that Bret Hart actually wrote WCW with his hands. Like 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 there like if you watch it and you hear it, this will be an argument that will be talked about. For centuries, like there will never be an answer. And I, don't, and I think even if you ask Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels, it's separate answers. There's still no well, actual. So I, I watched. I'm a huge fan of the Dark Side of the Ring uh, series. I watched every episode from both seasons. Uh, there were a lot of holes in that Montreal episode, though. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is, um, like the WCW finger paint from brett like that never made air like that was something that they caught as the as the cameras continued to roll uh because you know just because a pay-per-view goes off the air doesn't mean the cameras Mm -hmm. stop rolling so if you were watching the live pay-per-view 
you didn't see that. You didn't see Brett smashing the monitors. You didn't see Brett spitting in Vince's face. Like none of that was on camera. It was all caught on camera, but it was all caught on camera after the fact. And that's something that fans kind of lose sight of because when we look back at it now, you get to see all that footage. But when the pay-per-view aired live, uh, that's not how it aired. So literally when the pay-per-view aired live, the bell rang. Uh, you saw some sort of thing with Brett and Vince, but you didn't really, you couldn't really tell what it was. You saw Sean all angry with Briscoe, and they go to the back, and then they go off the air. So that was why, like I was saying, even as a kid, I was like, what just happened? Like, I don't even know. Like, that was so strange and, like, sudden, so. I agree. All right. Well, let's get back to you because this is an interview with you, not, you know, wrestling conspiracies. All right. I have seen a lot of your matches in NXT. You got versing American Alpha. You versed out of the tag team of NXT. Tell me how uh, NXT came to you. Tell me how you decided the the contract deals or where they even called you up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, just to set the record straight, uh, me and uh, my partner at the time, Corey Hollis, never had a contract. We never were working a on a per night deal um, with uh, with NXT. Uh, uh, we did not only television, but we did live events, so non-televised events. We did things like WrestleMania Access in Dallas, and we had to do a whole host of things over the course of the end of 2015 all the way through the spring of 2016. I think right around the summer of 2016 is when uh, our kind of like trial run kind of came to an end there. But we were there for a good 10 months, and we were you know on every set of TVs and stuff, and it was awesome. Um, uh uh, literally, I just got a text out of the blue because I'm a part-time teacher as well. I went to college, got a teaching degree uh, uh, from the University of South Carolina, and I was teaching one day, and I got a text from a friend of mine uh, who is now uh, working for AEW, uh, a guy by the name of Cash Wheeler, one half of the Revive. Uh, well, I guess they're FTR now. So um, <laughs> Good I catch. Got, uh, <laughs> I got a text from him and he said, Hey, uh, would you be interested in coming to TV next week? They, they need a team to work with me. And, uh, man, I don't even know what to call them now. I guess it's, I guess I got to call him Dak Harwood. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Uh, but he said, we need a, they want a team to come in and, and work with us. And your, your guys' names were tossed around. And so I said, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, we went in, we, we wrestled them. Uh, and then, as soon as we got to the back, you know, uh, coach Matt Bloom was, was, uh, very, um, positive in his feedback for us as were a lot of people. Uh, we did a couple other TVs like raw and SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say, uh, I want to say that at, at raw Corey worked with Braun Strowman and at SmackDown, I did a dark against Kane. And, um, so, that day when we were there and I think we were in the, the SmackDown that we did was in Nashville. So one of the writers from, uh, from NXT approached us that day and said, can you guys be at full sale on, on Wednesday or Thursday or whenever it was, uh, we want you guys to work with Enzo and Cass. And so, uh, we just looked at each other and said, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> and they were like, really? And I go, uh, we'll find a way we'll get there. So, uh, and then I think they saw the dedication that we had, the loyalty, the reliability, they, they saw that we, you know, really, really wanted it. And from then on out, I mean, we were getting calls all the time, emails all the time. Hey, can you guys come in and work with American Alpha? And uh, sometimes we would do singles. I would work with Elias. He would work with, you know, Al- Corey would work with Aleister Black or whoever. And, uh, you know, we did live events. Uh, I, th- I think I worked Elias on a handful of live events. Uh, 
Riddick Moss, a handful of people. And uh, so it was, a, it was a fun time. We got to do a lot of cool stuff. And, uh, you know, I have nothing but positive things to say about my time there. Uh, and it was even, even if it was a trial run or whatever, it was still uh, quite the learning experience, getting to be around all that talent. And uh, more importantly, even like the producers and the coaching staff that they have, I mean, a wealth of knowledge. No, yeah, it's it's a huge, you know, piece of memory that you wrestled in a WWE ring, you know. That's what, as a little kid, you grew up watching and being in that ring, that's already, you know, set in stone, you know. That's a memory that you'll never forget. And, you know, everything happens for a reason. You know, look at where you are now. Look at where you're, you know, wrestling now. And um, let's talk about, you know, before we get to where you're wrestling now or what you're doing, what where we see you now, tell me about how the independent scene has been for you. You've wrestled, like I said before the interview, everybody. I have seen so many matches. Can you name me a few matches that, like, you think everyone should watch? Because, and I have a few of mine that I think everyone should watch. Some that you think people should watch and some that mean more to you than, than others. Like, just memorable ones that were time freezes you know where you look at it and you're like never forget this match this is this is a memorable match yeah there's a handful um the one that sticks out off the top of my head is a match that i had with johnny gargano at pwx uh which is available on youtube it's like a fan cam version and i think it's a more authentic version for fans to watch to get the sense of what the building and the atmosphere was that night or what it was like uh because for me, that match with Johnny was um, the ultimate learning experience for me because he was a guy that was still on the independence. He was getting ready to go to NXT, and he was at the top of his game. And it was such a learning tool for me because uh, we stood there in the ring, and, and we were standing across from each other corner to corner. The bell rings, and the crowd is like at a fever pitch because I was so hated. They really liked him. But then there was that weird... Uh, sense of it's a it's a homegrown guy against an outsider so they got the dueling chance going right away from from when uh you know the bell rang so we haven't even touched yet and uh it's let uh johnny wrestling let's go skyler johnny wrestling let's but then like we we get a little bit closer to one another and the and the crowd on each side is getting louder and louder and louder to where we're uh, i did the thing like um i call it the rock you do like this with your hands and um he walked out and met me in the middle of the ring and keep in mind we still have not touched and we go nose to nose and the place starts chanting this is awesome <laughs> and uh i was like oh my gosh like like the light bulb went off in my head i was like sometimes it's really not a not about what you do it's about what you don't do and a lot of it has to do with the the the, the characters and the people that are in the ring and the emotional investment in the people not necessarily the moves or the actual, you know, match or whatever. Uh, so that was one that always sticks out. Plus the match itself when we got going was phenomenal. Uh, I won, by the way. Um, spoiler uh, alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. Uh, um, uh, I had a great feud with a local guy named the Man Scout, Jake Manning, who's been around a very long time. We had a great match that's also on YouTube from PWX Another Level. Uh, the reactions for that, and that's what I live for is the reactions of the people uh I, I encourage people to go check that one out just for the for the last five minutes or so and just see the the fever pitch again that the, that the crowd was at for that uh a lot of names that people would know um cedric alexander me and him have wrestled numerous times like you said austin theory 
um, Cody Rhodes, uh, uh, man, uh, Zach Saber Jr. What's that? Billy Gunn. I, I had I, I was this one of my favorite matches. It was, in my opinion, not gonna say it enough. I didn't underestimate you. I thought Gunn was gonna win that one. I was like, I was like, come on, he's a legend. He's an independent scene. People go crazy for that. When you won, I was like, man, his title reign's gonna be insane with it. I wasn't wrong with that. Yeah. I wasn't wrong with that idea. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, Billy was great to work with, and uh, on the independence, and then also at AEW because he's somebody that's gone to bat for me um, as a producer. Uh, you know, uh, it was a tremendous opportunity to get the chance to work with Billy again. Um, uh, as Zack Saber Jr., Kevin Owens. Uh, been so many people that i work with on the independence uh hangman page uh the, the list really goes on and on and on i'll put a, i'll um, put a list like on my in my bio when the video goes up it's gonna be just a list of names and like youtube links yeah, <laughs> yeah it's funny uh and i know we'll probably touch on it uh you know with with aew uh it was so different walking in on the first day because i've never felt like such an equal on my first day at any wrestling company like i did at aew um and I, I started looking around, and I was like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I've wrestled, like, 80% of the roster already. So, uh, you know, it was kind of cool to walk into a place and kind of know everybody. And uh, the, it's not that the pressure's off, but it's like, you know, you fit right in right away from the get-go because you've already wrestled with a lot of these people. Yeah. Tell me how that call came. Because, you know, AEW is one of the most interesting companies because the talent that they have, and I'm saying this, and if you're on here, you know, who knows, but but I have a gift where I see an independent talent, and if I see something in them, I get them on an interview, and, they, and then something happens, you know, I get Alan Angels, I got Alan Angels when he was facing Kenny Omega and uh, Lance Archer for like a five minute, ten minute match, and I was like, this guy's going to be something, this guy's going to do something insane, now he's got a role for the Dark Order, and I know for a fact you know, when you heal up, when you're ready, I believe 100% you're going to be in it for the game for the long run. Yeah, um, there's a general consensus out there, and I'm not trying to sound braggadocious or like I'm constantly putting myself over, but uh, a lot of people that I've talked to have that have seen and commented on the matches that I've already had on AEW Dark have said that I look like such a good fit for AEW, and AEW looks like such a good fit for me. 100%. Um, and I, I, I think there's something, you know, I've got a lot of ideas already of stuff and people that I'd like to work with and where I could fit in and some of the things that I could do when I do heal up. Uh, and I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited about the potential of, uh, you know, being AEW or being with AEW for the, for the long haul. So do explain to me how that call came. I'm, I'm really curious how AEW got you know, with you. How did that work out? Uh, it was uh, really random. It all happened really, really fast. Uh, uh, obviously, we've been living in the middle of a pandemic. There's not been much wrestling going on. Um, literally, I was uh, training at the gym one day. I, uh, I drive home uh, because I found a little private gym uh, that a friend of mine owns. And so we were the only two in there working out. So we were social distancing. Um, but uh, I, I got home and it was like two... Uh, I got a message. Uh, I, I don't want to say from who, but uh, they said, "Hey, uh, if I, y your name's being passed around, would you be interested and available for these dates?" And I said, "Yeah, absolutely." Um, and 
then somebody else texted me and then somebody else texted me and then I got an email and the email uh kind of confirmed it all and I it was it was such a whirlwind it was literally like bang 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 <laughs> bang done and uh and then I was like well hell I guess I'm going to Jacksonville next week and uh that's really where the whole thing kicked off and uh they they booked myself and Brady Pierce uh and Brady for people that don't know, he's been wrestling 10 years as well. He's somebody that deserves the opportunity just as much as me or anybody else. So it was cool to be paired with him in a tag team situation. Uh, never teamed before, ever. And so I think we gelled quite well. Uh, we've got a lot of ideas, too. Um, but uh, as soon as we uh, got done wrestling Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela, uh, in the back, everything was, I mean, high fives all around. Everybody was really happy with it. And it was right there where they pretty much said, we want you back next week. Uh, so I was waiting for the confirmation on the next week's TVs. <laughs> and the, I didn't even realize that Double or Nothing was being taped that uh, Saturday, uh, after the Saturday after our first TV. Uh, I literally got up that Saturday morning, was doing in-ring training at uh, Bob Keller's school, the guy that originally trained me. And he was going to have a cookout that afternoon. So I um, did the in-ring training, drove back to my apartment, which is like 30 minutes to shower and eat before I went back to the cookout. Mm. And in that 30-minute window, I got a text uh, uh, from somebody there in the office, and they said, um, can you be at the pay-per-view? And this is, keep in mind, 1.30 in the afternoon, the day of the pay-per-view. And I'm in Columbia, South Carolina, <laughs> which is four hours from Jacksonville. Wow. And uh, – uh, I told him, I said, uh, well, I would love to, but just so you know, I'm in Columbia, South Carolina. I'm four hours away. And the reply was, so can you get here? <laughs> and uh, I was like, I just started throwing my stuff in my bag. And uh, off to the pay-per-view I went. And I got there at like 6 o'clock. And, I mean, again, it was just such a whirlwind thing, man. Um, but it's a really, really cool atmosphere. I really enjoy uh, working there. And even since the injury, I mean, I can't tell you how supportive everyone at AEW has been. Uh, I, I mean, I can tell you till I'm blue in the face about how great they've been in dealing with me since this injury. Uh, it's been crazy. Well, I see they're still keeping you because I see you, you know, sitting at the, the ringside. You know, I love the fact that they have opened up this world of wrestling where so much is happening in the ring and out the ring. Where they like to zoom in, like, for example, what's been going around all over the news is Mr. Mullet Man showing up at their most recent pay-per-view, Fighter Fest. People are talking about the mullet, what's going on, where is she going to go, and it's like a big deal who they want to get, and that's amazing. You know, if, if you're doing, if you're in an industry right now, and you're not making a, a big name or a big move, and you're sitting at an event, you're already being noticed, and so many people are already talking about you, so many people already want to know what's next. It's amazing how they came up with that. We've had wrestling for so many years, and AW was like, let's just do that. And it changed the entire landscape, making other companies, you know, have their wrestlers as fans. You know, it's it's a whole different revolution of where we're at. But back to, you know, you back to the wrestling. What match did you get injured, though, is what, I, what I'm interested in. Which AEW match did you get injured in? Uh, me, Myself and Brady Pierce were wrestling Stu Grayson and Evil Uno from the Dark Order. And this was probably going on a month ago now. Um, and... Uh, 
you know, sometimes in wrestling, it's not always the craziest things that we get injured on. Sometimes it's very, very basic things. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, hooked for like a back suplex by Evil Uno. He lifted me up for the back suplex and I like back flipped out of it, landed on my feet. Uh, that was fine. Uh, and I encourage people to go back and watch it. And I can send you the clip uh, today once we get done doing this. Uh, Evil Uno goes to throw a clothesline and I was going to forward roll underneath his clothesline to make a tag to Brady Pierce. And as I did the forward roll underneath the clothesline, as Evil Uno came by, like his, his like quad and thigh just clipped outside of my foot and leg. And it caused my, literally my knee to just kind of like kick out the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And then, so the doctors have told me, uh, that's probably where I tore my MCL and my PCL. Uh, as I roll up to my feet, I go to lunge to make a tag and I can't really jump or do anything. And again, like my knee kind of just buckles and gives out and they think that's where I tore my ACL. Uh, so, uh, I made the tag to Brady. Uh, the very next thing I did, which was very stupid, was a running European uppercut into the corner. And if you go back again and watch the clips, uh, you know, not uh, you can see me shaking out my leg right then and there. Like I knew something was wrong. And I'm, as wrestlers, we try to make all the excuses in the world. Okay, maybe it's just like a hyperextension or a Charlie horse or something like that. Uh, you know, a lot of the guys in the match, uh, even after, didn't know I was hurt. Uh, um, but if you go back and watch it now, you can clearly tell that it gets a little bit worse and a little bit worse and a little bit worse. And then when I really knew I was hurt was, uh, I kicked evil Uno up off of a, off of a backdrop with my bad leg. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, just that kicking motion, uh, I felt it. And I like, I've never felt so much pain in my life. I actually like almost got a little lost for a second. Like I didn't know where I was. Uh, just because, I mean, it was pretty excruciating. And so I still somehow finished the match, uh, you know, wrestled another two or three minutes. And then when I got to the back, yeah, I made no bones about it. Uh, all the pride went out the window, and I made sure everybody knew that I was not in a good way. How long is the, the injury? I know it's been a month already of, of you know, you healing it, but how long is this, you know, going to – how long did the doctor say it's going to take until it heals up? Uh, so I've been getting conflicting reports. Uh, as soon as I got injured, they projected six to nine months. Uh, just before surgery, they started saying that uh, the the big thing that they were going to fix in surgery, and uh, as of today, you know, as we're having this interview, I'm two weeks today uh, post-op. So I had my surgery two weeks ago today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what they did, uh, what they ended up doing was they ended up just having to reattach my ACL when they reattached that ACL, um, my MCL kind of pulled itself back together and I'm going to have to rehab, uh, obviously everything. But, uh, as I'm doing rehab, they're hoping that my PCL slowly heals itself too, because my PCL wasn't a full tear. It was just a high grade tear. Mm -hmm. So there's still, you know, uh, ligaments in there that are held together and they're hoping as I rehab, you know, all that'll be a hundred percent. Uh, and now I'm being told it could be uh, quicker than six months. So that might be, uh, that might be me being a little bit optimistic, but, uh, you know, I, I would say around the six month mark right now was the last thing I was told. All right. Well, we, you know, the faster, the better, you know, right now you're, there's no rush. You're still being used. You're still on TV. People still see you. That's, that's the best thing about it. You know, fact that you're still there even when you can't wrestle it's amazing so 
talk to me about this because I'm I want to know because is it a signed contract? Do you have a contract? Not like not like a yearly, but is it like do they give you something when they keep you for more than like four matches already? Do they like give you something saying you know we want you to stay with us, we want you to get an idea or something? Not a year con, not like a one year contract, but something that makes you say, all right, well I'm gonna be on AW for a few more shows or events or anything like that uh no there's no contract uh there's no deal in place there's no nothing it's right now the old school way of a phone call or an email uh uh and if you if you're needed for the date they'll let you know you're needed for the date and uh you know typically um you have a pretty good idea of whether or not you're going to be back um and they're pretty good about staying in contact with you it's kind of like if you're needed type deal Mm -hmm. For the foreseeable right right now for the foreseeable future i'm going to be um doing a lot there in terms of uh just uh showing up and being there uh um i told this story on another interview just last night uh, you know and it's a real big peek behind the curtain um but the first person that came and checked on me when i got hurt and they kind of rushed me back to the training room uh the first guy that came and checked on me was tony khan uh and that's a you know that's a freaking billionaire uh that was sitting in gorilla took his headset off stopped what he was doing at the show to come check on me at the in the in the training room and um him and several others there have been very good about following up and and uh making it very clear that uh i'm gonna be back so um that's a good sign yeah i really want to see you back i i have a big deal where it's like if I see your look and your look is interesting, your look is awesome, I immediately want to know more. So speaking about that, and all my podcasts, a big deal is gear. And you have one of the coolest gears. Tell me why, and it's a big change. You've had a huge evolution for a different kind of gear. Tell me this brand new gear, the AW gear. Tell me how that came to be. Why did you decide to change it up from your previous independent scene gears? Uh, so... I started getting in really good shape during the pandemic, uh, actually right before. And, uh, I kind of wanted to lose the singlet and go back to long tights, which I haven't done since, um, really my early years. Um, and again, yeah, there has been quite the evolution of, uh, gear. If you go back and watch my matches from 2008, I'm almost unrecognizable. <laughs> uh, you know, I have a real cheap gear and, uh, like not even like a real ring jacket. It's like a hoodie that I bought from like a, like a Walmart or a Kmart and then ended up like uh, going and taking it and getting my name embroidered in it. Like it was all very bottom of the line stuff. So, uh, and it takes time too. You know, you don't, you don't make a lot of money when you first start out. Mm. Um, but uh, the, the look that I have now, the, the, the tights uh, were actually inspired by triple H's look from WrestleMania 15. I think he wrestled Kane. Um, and I was literally sitting at home watching, uh, you know, the network trying to come up with ideas. And I was like, Oh man, nobody really does that anymore. Nobody really has a look like that. Uh, and so that's really where that, the, the tights that I've been wearing on AEW, that's where that look came from was, uh, I guess, triple H in, in 1999 at WrestleMania 15. Um, but, uh, again, there's not always like a clear cut idea of, Oh, I've got this look in mind. Like, a lot of it's just trial and error. A lot of it is uh, just trying new things um, and, and seeing what sticks and what fits and what complements me and my personality, my physique, uh, 
you know, all my character, everything across the board. Uh, so uh, that's really, I guess, the best answer I can give you in terms of gear. But another big thing for me, and I tell guys on the independence this, uh, is I think you shouldn't look like the guy that works at the gas station. I think the guy that get, that works at the gas station buys a ticket to come see us because we should look like stars or we should look like somebody. And uh, when I'm, you know, me, I'm only five, seven, five, six, uh, 205 pounds. Like I'm not going to get, uh, I'm not going to look like a, like a Booker T or a Braun Strowman or somebody like that. If I'm walking through the airport where people will look at them and go, they, they got to be somebody, you know, that might not necessarily be me if I'm walking through an airport. So uh, I have to have good gear. I have to have something nice to wear and I have to look good when I'm, you know, on television. And, uh, you know, I see so many guys on the independent scene now and uh, they're so super talented but they just don't invest in themselves. They don't have nice gear. Uh, their gear has holes in it or it looks dingy or uh, it smells or, you know, just it, it falls off of them. It doesn't fit, uh, you know, just things like that. So uh, the, the one of the big pieces of the, the boxes that I check when I'm looking at talent is what do they look like? And I think gear is a, a vital part of that. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I love that mentality. I, I actually might just quote that, you know, I might quote that. But, you know, it's true. Because for me, I agree with you 100%. Gear is everything. You don't want to look like the guy who works the gas station. You want to be the top talent. And that's what you did. When I first saw your match, I'm like, who's this guy? He looks familiar, A, because you look like an actual you know, wrestling superstar who would be on TV. And I wasn't wrong. I've seen a lot of your matches actually beforehand, you know. I just didn't know it was you. But that's, again, such a big deal of why it's great to look like the part, which is exactly what you did. All right, so let's get out of AEW. Let's get out of, you know, WWE. Let's talk about what you are. What do you do now? If this pandemic all blows over, where do you wrestle? Where are you, you know, where have you been for the past year? Before AEW? Uh, I guess I'm most known for a lot of the stuff I've done in PWX in the Carolinas. Um, I've had uh, my hands in a lot of things there, uh, helping build that place and make that place grow. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, Evolve just went out of, uh, was just bought bought out or whatever. But we did a good job of building a working relationship with Evolve. We have a current good working relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, where we can, you know, uh, if they have, um, for example, last year, uh, Jushin Thunder Liger was here for the uh, G1 in Dallas on his retirement tour. We got, we were able to pull strings and get Jushin Liger to wrestle on a PWX show. Um, you know, things like that. And uh, whenever uh, New Japan does their American loops or their American tours, uh, some of our guys sometimes get sprinkled in on some of the New Japan shows mm -hmm. to get a look at from New Japan. So it's been a nice little working relationship, and I've been uh, working hard to help uh, give guys those kind of opportunities and build those kind of relationships. Um, all the while, also wrestling on the shows and also trying to help the next crop of guys that are hopefully going to take my place when I get signed somewhere <laughs> or – uh, if I don't get signed somewhere, I'm not going to wrestle forever. So I'm trying to get that next line, that next crop of talent. And there's so much good talent right now in the Carolinas and on the Indies. Uh, you know, just trying to help get those guys ready uh, to be the, the the next guys in line. Yeah, I mean, I do feel like you're going to be signed. I know, you know, it's hard to say what's going on when, but I have a really big feeling that you will be signed to a company very soon. You're very talented especially with your background. As soon as everyone watches this video, 
they will know exactly what I mean. They will go and they'll Google you and they'll see that you faced literally everybody there is to face and won most of those matches, which is unbelievable. But we'll, you know, they'll they'll get that. But it's amazing how you, your perspective on it, how you do feel like, you know, when it's your time done, the next generation is going to take over. And that's amazing. It's amazing that you have a wrestling future too. That, you know, when I can't wrestle, I'm still going to do stuff that contributes to wrestling. Wrestling is in my blood. Wrestling is what I want to do. It's what I want to follow. And that's amazing. We don't have a lot of people that are like that. I had an interview with TJP who, you know, wrestles for Impact right now. Wrestled for WWE, New Japan, everywhere. And even he said, no, I don't know what I'm going to do when I, you know, retire. Probably open up a school, probably teach. Because that's all, you know, what we want to do. We want to contribute wrestling any way possible. Which is definitely, you know the biggest thing to ask of a, of a wrestler to do because that's basically like you're not leaving the game the game is just going to yeah. a level and absolutely and that's a good point uh and i guess i've always had the pay it forward type of uh mentality i've been so blessed in my 12 years that a lot of my heroes that i grew up watching have become uh, mentors for me and they're people that i now get to work with side by side whether it's a Billy Gunn or uh, like Arn Anderson, who I was a big fan of growing up. Uh, some of my style was patterned after him. Uh, you know, he's a mentor of mine now. He's a coach of mine. He is somebody I see on a regular basis, talk to on a regular basis, get advice from. Uh, the Rock and Roll Express. Um, uh, man, Steve Carino, uh, uh, C.W. Anderson, Kevin Kelly, all these people have been very vital over the last few years in helping mold me and shape me as a performer with the idea in mind, when it's my turn, make sure I'm passing that knowledge down to the next crop of guys and making sure that, you know, I'm helping mold and shape them because, uh, you know, whether we would like it or not, we're all spokes on the wheel in this business. Uh, 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 we're, our time eventually comes to an end, but the thing that's going to stay is, is the business itself. Pro wrestling will be around for a very long time and it's not going anywhere. And so uh, that's the, the least somebody like me, or, uh, can do is pay it forward. That is true. All right, all right. Tell me about you know after watching, like you said, you grew up. You 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 are now have mentors as a kid, as a child. Tell me your favorite wrestling match. And you know what? Let's scratch that. Not even as a kid. From now, what was your favorite? It could be an AEW match. It could be a WWE match. TNA doesn't matter. But tell me a match that you're like, I that's probably my favorite match. And it's hard to say because it's really hard to say a favorite match, but tell me one that like you can put in that category. So the the one that kind of jumps off the page for me is uh, Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin from WrestleMania 13. Uh, just because it, you watch that match, and uh, if you couldn't put a timestamp on it, that match could have happened in any era. It could have happened in the 70s. It could have happened in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, or now. Uh, that's how good that match is and holds up. It's gritty. It's dirty. It's violent. It's uh, the storytelling is uh, everything that pro wrestling should be. Uh, and just like the drama and, uh, you know, what comes out of it. You know, everybody leaves that match uh, better than, than they were when they went in. You know, uh, believe it or not, you know, Brett, Steve, and uh, even Ken Shamrock, the referee for that, uh, they all come out of that match better than what they were when they went in and uh 
it's just a beautiful, beautiful match. Um, and I encourage people if they've never seen it, which if you haven't, you've been living under a rock. If you consider yourself a pro wrestling fan, um, you know, go back and watch. If you're a young wrestler, just getting in the business, if you've seen it already once before, go back and watch it again and try to pick it, pick out the, the details of why it's so good. Uh, so that one. And then the other one that I really enjoy and still watch from time to time is the undertaker and Shawn Michaels, from WrestleMania 25, uh, because I remember right where I was when I watched that for the first time live. I was in my my old apartment, and I you know had just gotten into the business. I was less than a year into the business, and I sat there and I watched that match, and my jaw just dropped. And uh, I remember picking up the phone and calling people that when that match when when the when that match was over. Literally, WrestleMania was still going on. That match ended, and I was calling people on the phone saying, I think I just saw the greatest match I've ever seen in my life. And You're I don't think anything one. will ever top it. You're not the only one who's definitely done that. But, wow. No, yeah, those, you know, I actually haven't seen the Bret Hart and, uh, and Stone Cold in a long time already. I'm actually going to rewatch that now. I have not seen that one in a good few days. Wow. All right. Okay, tell me the... Smallest thing you ever worked and the largest crowd you ever worked. Now you cannot count AEW no fancing because people have gotten away with that, and I was just like, okay, and I just just changed. So you can't give me that. You can't give me the the dark shows or whatever. I want the smallest crowd ever. It could be a party. It, it, it could be you know, uh, church. You'd be surprised what I've got. You'd be surprised, surprised what answers I got and the largest crowd you ever worked. Well, believe it or not, the. I think some of the AEW crowds that I've wrestled in thus far are bigger than the crowd, the bigger than the smallest shows that I've actually wrestled on. Uh, Cause I've wrestled in the armories at the birthday parties, at the churches, flea markets, uh, bowling alleys, ice skating rinks, um, uh, out in the park, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, schools, you know, you name it. I've probably done it. Parking lots, car dealerships. I mean, I'm just, these are all coming off to me off the top of my head. I remember vividly, though, uh, and again, this was probably, I've probably only been in the business three or four months, and I wrestled in a small show in South Carolina uh, uh, for a little independent company that would run every Wednesday night, and it's like a, a curse to run the same night of the week uh, every week. Uh, typically, those don't pan out too well, mm-hmm. but there were, there were four paying fans uh, at that show. And I remember it was so funny to me because they all sat on the same side. And so, like, every all the other chairs were empty and there were four paying fans. Um, so that was probably the smallest one. That's the one that stands out. The largest crowd I probably wrestled in front of, I mean, it would probably have to be, like, on a Monday Night Raw, uh, wrestling, like, Primo and Epico, or maybe, uh, you know, maybe the dart that I did with Kane in Nashville. Uh, it's really it's really hard to say. Uh you know, and then some of the stuff that I've done in the UK over in England, uh, especially, you know, they come out in, in, in droves over there where, you know, there's usually always a good turnout uh, uh, and, and uh, you know, thousands of, of fans. So uh, probably that, probably something for WWE or uh, maybe one of the big shows over in England. All right. And my favorite question of all is what is the strangest place you ever worked? What is like? It could be it could be the venue, it could be the arena. I've had answers from weed festivals, uh, music festivals. I had crazy ones where it's like a school dressed up as a penguin, 
I had a boxing ring, which is a lot of the same. People go with like Arsenal the boxing ring, and you can't really do springboard moves off those ropes. So please give me something. And I know you've wrestled a lot of places. Give me some place where you'd be like, this was just be- like sketchy looking from the minute I got there. Oh man, there's so many. Uh, give me a few then. Uh, I'd love to hear these. I've wrestled in legit barns before where there was no AC. Uh, the, the walls were all wooden and close together. Uh, I remember one time wrestling in the middle of a, it was like a field, but it had like a horse track like around it. Uh, and the, uh, of course it probably didn't smell too pleasant as you can imagine that a horse track would smell mm-hmm. like. Um, but, uh, those, those two jump out, uh, you know, I've wrestled in, uh, baseball stadiums, um, Sheesh. Uh, I wrestled in a flea market one time where literally as you're going to the top rope uh, to do something, you can look out, you can see everybody shopping in the flea market. And that was kind of, that was kind of crazy. Uh, I wrestled, I wrestled in the back of a bar, a little pub in uh, Goose Creek, South Carolina one time where uh, the, they had a PA system in the, in the bar so anytime somebody's like food order was ready, they would say it over the PA system. Mm-hmm. So like you'd be like like as a bad guy or a heel, you'd be getting onto somebody and like you'd grab them in a hold and you'd you know say like come on, give it up, give it up, and then you'd hear you know Ted, your corn dogs are ready. <laughs> Ted, your corn dogs are ready. So uh, and then you just kind of lose the crowd after that because you know you just you're just like oh man, I'm, you want to yell over at the people and go hey, I'm working over here, <laughs> you know. So probably one of those. All right, all right. Now to the more, you know, outrageous questions, more of the think about questions. Like I said, you wrestled a lot of people. Name me three guys you have that you want to wrestle that you have not wrestled yet that is still possible to wrestle, and they cannot be assigned to AEW. And then the next question would be, name me three guys from AEW that you have never wrestled and you'd like to wrestle. I'll do the three from AEW first because it's going to no take problem. me a minute to think about the mm-hmm. other three. No problem. Uh, the, the one that really, really jumps off the page for me is Chris Jericho. Okay. Um, because I uh, grew up a huge fan of Jericho's. Uh, again, somebody that, that I patterned myself after, especially when I first broke into the business. Because I wanted to do it. I wanted to be and do it the right way in terms of professional wrestling. And I read his book right before I got into the business. And he always struck me as a guy that did it the right way. Mm-hmm. Like he, um, he grew up a fan. He went to college. He got a degree. He traveled the world, uh, and then he went to WWE, and then he went to you know AEW. Uh, but he had all this experience that he still uses today. Uh, and I always just really admired the way that he did it, and I wanted to do it like he did it. And that's what I've tried to do in my career is get all this worldwide experience. Uh, and now, reap the now. Hopefully, soon I can reap the benefits of all that experience and use all the tools that I've learned to be successful in an AEW ring or mm-hmm. or somewhere else for that matter. But uh, so Jericho is probably the, at the top of the list. Um, I really like Ricky Starks, and I've never gotten the chance to step in the ring with him. He's somebody that's really impressed me here lately. Uh, he's just got that swagger. He's athletic. He's got a great look. Uh, he knows exactly who he is in the ring, and he does a lot of the little things that make uh, a guy like a superstar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 
I would probably, oh man, I got to think about who's on the roster now <laughs> for the third one. I told you this would be a, not an easy, this is a thinker. These are thinkers right now. Uh, I'm going to go with Sean Spears. Uh, You've never Sean wrestled Spears, Sean Spears. Never got the chance to. Wow, uh, Corey okay. wrestled him uh, when me and Corey were in NXT. Uh, I never got the pleasure, uh, but he's somebody that I've always admired. Again, he's a veteran that's been around a long time, and uh, you know he's somebody. He's so good, and I wish, uh, you know, hopefully one day soon I can uh, step in the ring with Spears. Now, in terms of everybody else <laughs> all over the world, geez, <laughs> give someone a shout out. Uh, give, give give a friend a shout out while you're at it. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say hey to my mom and dad who <laughs> might watch this on some sort of social media platform sometime soon. Um, uh, man, there's so much good talent out there. Now, are we saying anywhere like on the Indies? Can I say somebody in WWE? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you can. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they won't hurt you to mention a friend yeah. or a name or. Uh, somebody. Uh, because I got three from WWE off the top of my head that I could go with that I really wanted to ball. You know, three guys I've always wanted to get the chance to work with, um, and. That would be uh, AJ Styles, um, for obvious reasons. <laughs> He's probably one of the best in the world. Uh, Randy Orton, because everything he does is just effortless. And I truly think Randy's been the best in the business, even if people don't want to credit him as that. Mm-hmm. I think he's been in the best. Yeah, I think he's been the best in the business for probably the last fifteen years. Agreed. Uh, uh, he, he, like I, I think it might be JBL that said. Uh, you know, if you were to think about what a pro wrestler would look like and build it from head to toe, it would look like Randy Orton. Uh, and I mean, just Randy's just—he's—he's he's awesome. Like I said, it, it almost makes me angry how good he is uh, <laughs> at times because, again, everything he does is so effortless. Uh, and then the last one again is another guy that's a mentor of mine that's really helped me out. Uh, and you know, I was so happy that he recently returned, and that would be Edge um, because he's another guy that I really patterned myself after. And uh, you know, he's uh, somebody that, uh, you know, has been huge, huge and influential in my career. And I mean, there's others, too. Um, would love to wrestle Adam Cole uh, uh, from, from NXT. Uh, you know, there's so much good talent uh, in, in WWE and on the independents. It's just so hard for me to say anybody from the independents right now because right now nobody's really wrestling on the independents. Exactly. So it's kind of all yeah. a lot. It's kind of a washout at the moment. So, uh uh, you know, I would have to stretch and, and think about somebody from New Japan or mm-hmm. something like that. But, uh, you know, uh, those would probably be the guys that are at the top of my list. Um, I have a question. Though. Have you ever wrestled uh, TJP? I haven't. I've no, uh, no. been on a lot of shows with TJP. TJP was in uh, on a lot of PWX shows as well. Uh, he's amazingly gifted in terms of technical wrestling. I don't know anybody that uh is as dedicated to his craft as as he is uh so he would be one uh and then another one that i was going to say is kind of like an honorable mission i don't know if this counts since i've technically already wrestled him but it was in a tag and i want to wrestle it counts, him in singles. It counts, it counts. If, if, if it's is, a, if it's a singles yeah uh, uh in a singles i would like to wrestle carl anderson uh because i've always been a big car uh uh, admire Carl's work, uh, even when he was doing a lot of the single stuff in New Japan, like you know the G1 finals and, and all that. You know, I've always been a big fan of his work, and uh, you know I got the chance to wrestle him and Gallows in a tag match. But uh, I'd always, I've, I've always liked to wrestle or work with him. 
there's a lot of guys on that list that were, you know, recently released, uh, the, the, the Heath Slaters, the Kurt Hawkins. I mean, all these guys are tremendously gifted and are, I think are going to do tremendous things, uh, when they get the opportunity to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, right now, you know, 30 people got released. That's 30 more wrestlers in the independent scene and independent scene is hot. You'll never get nowadays back then maybe, but nowadays you go to like a home go like a home show like you got Russell Pro, you got uh, House of Glory, you know any show you'll have a bunch of fans because that's homegrown fans and their independence in is huge now, you know it's very powerful. All right, well we are done with the interview. Tell me where people can find you on social media so everyone can officially now look you up, support you in any way. Merch, where where can we get your merch? Tell me everything. Tell me all the all the. <laughs> Uh, so I'm on Twitter uh, at the John Schuyler and it's S K Y L E R. Uh, same thing on Instagram, uh, the John Schuyler. Uh, I got a Facebook, but that's more of like a personal thing. People can still find me on there if they look me uh, look for me hard enough or whatever. Um, uh, I got a pro wrestling tea store. Got tons of great merch on there that people can buy, uh, or people can contact me directly if they were looking. To, to buy some merchandise because there's some things that I have uh, uh, in stock that Pro Wrestling Tees doesn't have. I've got trading cards, pictures, uh, shirts, uh, you know, uh, ring-worn memorabilia, um, so much good stuff for sale if people are interested. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so uh, – and I also pride myself on um, if somebody buys a shirt for me, I like to go the extra mile and, and throw in a little bit extra for, for – some of the fans that uh, buy my merch just because I like to make sure that they're getting an experience as well. So I like to surprise people here and there. That's awesome. Is there anything you want to say to the fans before I cut it off? Any like emotional words of wisdom, anything to, <laughs> I don't know, anything you want to say to the fans before I cut it? Uh, legit. I'm, I'm, I'm still one of the biggest wrestling fans that there is. I grew up a wrestling fan. I'll always be a wrestling fan. And so nobody appreciates wrestling fans more than I do. Uh, if I've been a jerk to you at the uh, table, it was uh, <laughs> not because I'm a jerk all the time. It's just my job sometimes. So, uh, uh, and then sometimes it's hard for me to cut it off too. Uh, and sometimes some some fans make it easy on me to uh, make it easy for me to be a jerk. Sometimes they're a little bit demanding. Uh, but no, I appreciate them spending their hard-earned money. I hope that they uh, enjoy uh, what I do and appreciate what I do because. Uh, Right now, I mean, even this injury, you know, I did this uh, to try to entertain people around the world, uh, and this is what happens sometimes. So these are some of just one of the many sacrifices that we make uh, in our personal uh, and professional lives. Uh, and if you guys want to see me again on AEW, I, I tell people this all the time, you know, uh, put it out there on social media, you know, tweet AEW, Tony Khan, Cody, whoever you want to tweet, uh, the Young Bucks, uh, you know, whatever you guys uh, want to do, make your voices be heard. That this That's the best part of being in the generation that we're in right now with social media is you can have your voice be heard. And if you don't like something, you can say it. If you uh, if you like something and you want to see more of it, you can do that, too. And I think uh, that's a big, big part of what we do in our business now. And uh, so without the fans, I mean, you know, I would just be some Jamoke sitting here talking to you from my apartment. And so uh, I appreciate the time on here and I appreciate all the fans.
Of course. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I will see you guys next time. Guys, thank you so much for watching that video. I'm so happy everyone got a chance to stick around to the end. John Schuyler is an amazing talent. He has been taking opportunity after opportunity and doing great things with it. Go check him out. Go watch his YouTube videos. Go just look him up. You will be amazed at the things that he has done in the ring and out the ring. Also, if you want to support me in any way, all my information is in the bottle below. You know, just subscribe, like, comment, share. I got more videos coming with, you know, more guests. And I'm so excited to show it to you guys. Just got to wait and it's all going to come soon. I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you so much. I'll see you next time.